Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Whenever you are tuning in to hear our voices, we are back with yet another episode of the Structured Talk podcast. This is going to be a, a loaded episode. We've got, we're, we're packing three episodes into one today. This is a bonus pack. We got three separate topics. But before we dig in, Tess, how are you doing? What's new in your world? Hey Ruben, it's good to see you as always. Um, I've been I've been good. I've been kind of juggling these two different businesses and taking some trips. Just got back from a, a quick weekend up to Bayfield, Wisconsin, which I'd never been up there before, but it is absolutely beautiful. And it was like in the mid seventies and sunny, and the fall colors are popping. So did some kayaking and some exploring, and it was really, really nice. But it's good to be home and good to be back and uh, good to see your face, you, sir. You, got a, you picked a great time of year to go up there. I bet it was just gorgeous with all it the trees was. turning and whatnot. Yeah, we yeah. got lucky for sure, for sure. Okay. Um, what's new in your life? Uh, you know, we just had our paintball event, our annual paintball event that we do with the, the fine folks over at All Around. It's a it's a fundraiser. This year we raised uh, $22,000 for Tunnel to Towers. It's a great organization that helps to build mortgage-free, accessible homes for first-line, uh, I don't know, workers who have been injured at their job, like um, medical professionals, firemen, okay. uh, military people. Wow. Yeah. So good cause. Good cause, and yeah. Good, good fun, good, good full day of shooting each other. We did one thing at the end of the day where Charles and I, um, we, we said, you get, if you pay a hundred bucks, you can shoot us. And, <laughs> but you got to get us, we, we get a running start. We get like, 20, 20 yards or 20 feet, we get to run. After we pass this log, you can open fire. And we have like, you know, eight, seven or eight people sign up to do that. And so that, that was, that was painful. I got shot, Tess, I had, I had gone like five, I took like five steps and I got shot in the butt. I've got the biggest welt on my butt cheek now because it was so close. It was so painful. And you wonder why I always passed on those opportunities to go paintballing with you. <laughs> I still wonder. I still wonder. <laughs> that, those were extenuating circumstances. But still, you know, to, to for the extra seven or eight hundred bucks that we raised, well worth the slight bit of discomfort that I experienced in the moment. But uh yeah, it was, awesome. it was a fun day. And you know what I realized? I, I realized, why didn't I even, why didn't I talk about it on the podcast? Because we're inviting anybody to come. You don't need yes. to be a part of our companies. Yes. This is this is open to anyone who wants to come out and have fun with us. So next year, Tess, we got to, uh, you got to remind me, I got to remember, okay. like maybe two months before the event and a month before the event, we got to start sharing that link on the podcast to get more people to come. Definitely. Do you do it around the same time every year, Ruben? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, end of September, beginning of October. It's supposed okay. to be a great time of year where it's, you know, maybe 50 degrees and you can have a few <laughs> layers on and have a sweatshirt yeah. and all that. But Not this year. Not this year. We were on t-shirts. It was, it was hot. It was brutal. It was really yeah. yeah. Extra brutal. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't get me wrong. I am not complaining about the heat. I will never complain about the heat. I like the heat, but... 
Uh, for yeah. paintball, it's not helpful. <laughs> Paintballs were a little bit more painful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so we're going to be diving into a topic today that's also going to be a little bit painful, I think, yeah. emotionally, yeah. maybe, for you. This is yeah. a fresh a fresh um, kind of situation that you teased on last week's podcast episode. But do you want to tell our listeners what we're going to be discussing yeah. today? We're, we're, we're talking all about water heaters, and we're coming at it from a few different angles. So we'll, we'll talk about outrageous replacement costs. I recently did a blog about that. Just... Because prices for water heater replacements are all over the board. I think there's some companies that are just absolutely gouging consumers. Uh, number two. And these are I'll prices from the manufacturer or are you talking no, about prices this is, from the contractors that install them? Contractors that install them. Yeah. Yep. And so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that and we'll talk about uh, my recent t- tale of victory. I've got a tale of victory mm. to share with you, Tess. Yes. And then – and then the downside of that whole tale too. I, I also have a small loss from that one. So let, let, let's get into my, my story first. So okay. I've shared the story on this podcast. I shared it probably many years ago where I had a little point of use water heater, not tank. I wanted to say tankless. It's got a tank. It's a two and a half gallon tank. It's something I installed underneath my kitchen sink. It took about five minutes to put in. It's basically you disconnect the water line to your faucet, you hook it up to the water heater, mm-hmm. and then you run a water a water line from the water heater to your faucet. You just put it in between the two. I'm using mm-hmm. flexible lines, and then you plug the thing in, and that that's about it. And I came downstairs one morning, and the floor is all wet, and I'm thinking, oh, great, what a hassle. Now I got to mop up my kitchen floor and my the bottom of my sink base is all wet. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all frustrated first thing in the morning. But then I go downstairs after like an hour later, I clean it all up. I go downstairs. And <laughs> that's where I found the real damage. My exercise room was just destroyed. I mean, there's Ugh. water pouring out of the ceiling uh. and there's water in the walls. And it was, it was a big mm. to do. So that took maybe four months, five months, maybe six months for the disaster team to come out and rebuild the room and all this other stuff. Huge hassle. Uh, This time when I replaced the water, I bought the same water heater. You did. I I bought the same one. I just figured this is kind of a fluke. They they should not go this fast. It it has a six year warranty. Okay. So it it shouldn't go that quickly. So I bought, bought the same one, but this time I installed a, a, an emergency pan underneath the water heater. It could have been a simple cookie sheet. I yeah. chose to use the bottom of a laundry basket. I oh. just I just yeah. cut the laundry basket apart with some tin snips and nice. I stuck this thing underneath there and I installed now if it leaks of course it's going to overflow. Yeah. But plumber Joe or home inspector Joe on our team yeah did a blog post many years ago about this leak detection system. It's called Guardian. It's not the only one out there, but this is the one he wrote about. And it's basically, you've got this electronic Wi-Fi valve that gets connected to your water main, and you don't need any tools. It's just this clamp that goes over the main valve on your on your water shutoff at your house. So you clamp this thing on there, you connect it to the internet, and and then you got all these sensors that get installed throughout your house in strategic mm-hmm. locations. So I took one of these sensors and I put it in that tray. 
And the idea is if the sensor gets wet, it shuts off the water to your house. Well, you know where this is going. I get home one night. I can't remember where I was, but I, I, I get home. There's nobody home. And I go to wash my hands or something, and there's no water. And, call, <laughs> and so I call up Ann. I'm like, baby, what'd you do? There's no water at the house. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? She goes, I have no idea. I haven't been home. There was water when I left. Like, well, okay. So then I go in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm, there's no water there either. And But I'm hearing this little beeping. I open up the kitchen cabinet door. Sure enough, it's that little sensor. It's beeping wow. on me. And I, I check the water tray. It's all full of water. And the thing had caught the water leak at my water heater. I mean, I assume that's what it was. I yeah. ended up taking the tray out, the sensor out, turned the water back on. I got the water heater propped up. I dried it all. And then I got it propped up on some two by four so I could watch it really carefully. And I turned the water back on. And sure enough, the tank failed again. It's the oh, second time. My gosh. Right? What? Oh, yeah. And, okay. How old was it? Two and a half years this time. And how old was it the first time it failed? I don't remember. It was okay. probably even less than that. I think oh, this one actually lasted longer than the first one. But yeah, oh, it, it failed crazy. again and it's got a six-year warranty. So wow! Thank goodness for all of your like oh, your devices that you installed to catch something like this again. No doubt, Tess. Thank goodness. So oh my gosh, that, that was a huge tale of victory. And you know, wow. we, we should put a link to this in the show notes. It's it's this Guardian leak prevention system. They cost mm-hmm. right around three hundred bucks on Amazon. They used to have them at Lowe's. I just bought mine off the shelf at Lowe's. They don't have them there anymore. But you can you can still get them on Amazon. Uh, I'll say you know I'm not endorsing their specific product. I'll say the app was kind of buggy. I had a mm-hmm. lot of challenges getting the app to set up properly. But mm-hmm. bottom line is it did its job. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It prevented a, a catastrophe at That's my house. Amazing. So does that does that app also allow you to just shut off the water anytime you want from any location? Like if you're up north and it's you know it gets really cold and you're like oh shoot I forgot to turn off my water you can do it, it does. from anywhere. Yeah, that's a nice feature. It is. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So I I'm a huge fan. I've got a sensor installed underneath my dishwasher. I've got another sensor right by my water heater, the traditional water heater in the basement. Yeah. And then I've got another one. I, I can't remember. And I even said this on my video. I can't remember where I put it. It's either under under or behind my refrigerator and then another one by the washing machine. What do you think is more likely to leak, Tess? A refrigerator ice line yeah. or a washing machine? Well, <laughs> do you have braided stainless steel connectors at your washing machine or are they the rubber hoses? Of course I do. Okay. <laughs> um, probably your ice maker water line. Okay. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know either. Bets? Are we making bets on this? <laughs> I, I, I once had a washing machine leak. I lived in St. Louis Park in a townhome and the washing machine was in a second floor bathroom. It was this townhome right on Alabama, if anybody knows the area. And I, I had a, it was a second floor bathroom. That's where the washing machine was. And I'm in the kitchen downstairs and all of a sudden water comes pouring out of the ceiling. There was something internal 
in the oh, washing machine yeah. that had disconnected and it just discharged all over the floor. So, oh my gosh, I've had it happen with a washing machine. I've never had an ice maker leak, but I, I've I've heard tons of stories about ice makers. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Maybe well, should... now that you say that, I can think of all of the washing machines that I've found leaks on at some point during home inspections, like a, coming from internal, like an internal leak. So yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Well, so these little devices are everywhere in your house. You got these little little things. Keep yep. an eye on all these potential leak areas. And um, it saved you. It saved me. It saved me. And I'm a huge fan. I mean, my insurance deductible is, I believe it's $1,000. So, I mean, okay, yeah, you got insurance. But just putting this system in, the 300 bucks is a much better deal. Yeah. And talk about the hassle. Yeah. The aggravation, the time, yeah. oh, even if it cost thousands of dollars, it would be totally worth it for me. So yeah. it's not like I'm trying to sell this device, but I am encouraging people to put, put these systems in their houses or a system like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I think that's a great, a great tip. Now, would you say, Ruben, everybody that listens to this show knows how handy you are and all the projects that you do. What skill level does it take to install one of these these devices, both the little water sensor alarms and the shutoff at the main? I'd say it's less work than it would be to replace your kitchen faucet. Really? If that puts it into perspective. Okay. In fact, it's unquestionably less work than replacing a kitchen faucet. So if you're if you can do a kitchen faucet, you can certainly do this. Okay. But okay. you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable doing a faucet. So yeah. it, it depends. Hire a plumber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that's that's part one. That's part my tool of victory. Disaster averted. And I just I just blogged about that last week. So I, I got a couple of photos showing it showing that in my blog. But now part two, uh <laughs> obtaining my third water heater. So <laughs> I've helped many friends replace water heaters, uh, traditional water heaters, and they come with either six-year, nine-year, or 12-year warranties. I've always encouraged my friends, you know, get the 12-year warranty. It's well yeah. worth the price. And I've I've helped many people replace water heaters that failed less than 12 years or whatever the warranty period was. And yeah. in the past, we just take it back to the retailer mm-hmm. and... The retailer would take care of it. They'd swap it out. Okay, yep, we see the serial number. It's clearly less than 12 years old. It's covered under warranty. We got you. Nice. Well, retailers have kind of locked down on that. And and when I took my little point-of-use water heater back to my retailer of choice, the they said, no can do. We oh. can't help you. There's you, you need to go through the manufacturer. And I kind of Mm. And I gave him the stink eye a little. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Really? It, mm-hmm. it it says right in the manual to take it back to the the retailer." And they're like, "Yeah, but did, that's not how it works. You got to go through them. If it's you only go through us if it's within a year." And I kind of, you know, I wasn't mean about it. I just said, "Okay, all right, you know, I'll I'll give it a shot." So I I called huh. up the water heater manufacturer, told them my problem. They said, "Yeah, no problem. Just send us a picture of the serial number." Uh, proof of the leak. And I'm like, yeah, I got proof of the leak. I got a beautiful <laughs> video coming right out of the tank. I, nice. I had yeah. the foresight to record this video before yeah. I removed it. Got that. And yeah. What else you need? They said, oh, and uh, and a picture of your, your sacrificial anode rod, your, your magnesium anode rod. Just give us a picture of that and we're good. We'll send you a new one. 
And I said, I said, oh, okay. All right. This is interesting. The anode rod. Okay. okay. You have so, to take it apart to get that out? Oh, Tessa, you have to take it apart to get it out. Now, on, oh, a, okay. on a traditional water heater, you don't really need to take it apart. You need to drain some water out. Mm-hmm. And and the the access, it's like this nut. It's a one and one sixteenth inch nut at the top which connects to the anode rod. And on, on my water heater at my house in my basement, it's exposed. I mean, there's not even a cap on it. But to get that out of a traditional water heater, you've got to crank on that thing. I tried doing it once at a, at a house I used to live in. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm giving it all I got. And I'm, I am a strong guy. And I'm yeah. cranking on that thing. I could not get it. I ended up having to put a big bar on my socket <laughs> wrench yeah. and, or a big pipe. Uh-huh. Get, get some leverage get and I start leverage. cranking on the thing. And then my whole water heater starts twisting and I'm like stressing the water lines. And I'm thinking, I'm going to destroy this oh, no. just to try to see what this looks like. And yeah. that's where I gave up. So I have never removed an anode rod. Oh my gosh. Um, but, but on this, on the little guy, the little two and a half gallon tank, yeah. it's not nearly as involved, but to do it, you do need to fully uninstall your water heater. You need to disconnect the water lines. You need to unplug it. You need to take it out of there and then you need to dump it upside down. You need to drain all the water and then you need to remove the cover and it's it's the heating elements and the anode rod. It's all together and you need to take all this out. So it's like, you need to disassemble this thing. And so I, I did all that. Oh my, so you're saying these manufacturers make it real easy. <laughs> It is such a hassle. Yeah. Wow. Who's going to actually do this? 95% of homeowners are not going to be capable of doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is advanced stuff. Yeah. I mean, not crazy, not impossible, but it was a pain in the butt, but I I did it and I I take it out. Here's the heating element. I'm looking at, I'm like, where's the anode rod? And I'm not seeing it. And then I realized, oh, it's supposed to be right here. And I can see the place where the anode rod is supposed to be connected. It's completely gone. I mean, what? yeah, it, two and a half years, the anode rod has disintegrated to nothing. There's nothing left at all. And, oh my gosh. And Okay. You have to explain what an anode rod does for people that are listening that may not know. Well, I, I wish I could explain the chemistry and um, for, for uh, all the listeners, I've been talking a lot with my hands while Tessa and I are talking to each other here, and I'm holding a uh, a replacement anode rod in my hands here. Of course, yeah, I'm sure it's Tessa very small. It this is a mini mini anode rod. It's cute. Yeah. It's like what maybe like five inches. Yeah, it's long about right. it, yeah. yeah, little pipe. Yeah, little pipe. Um, it's it's made out of magnesium, and the idea is that this is a less noble metal or something like that mm-hmm. than whatever's inside the tank. It's done some bad things in its life. It's exactly. It has done some very bad things. And uh, I, I, it is, it is there to sacrifice itself so that the tank may live. I okay, I'll right. call it a Jesus rod. How's that? Oh, okay. Well, I, I like, yeah, that, that's a catchier name, I think. Yeah. yeah. So the whole point of this thing is that it's it's supposed to degrade, deteriorate, and whatever's in your water that wants to attack the tank will attack this instead, yeah. and the tank gets saved because this thing is intact and it degrades. But once it's gone, 
whatever it is in that water that wants to eat your tank just halves at your tank mm -hmm. yeah. and destroys it and your tank leaks shortly thereafter. So I, I took it apart and I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, they are they are not going to honor this warranty at all because my anode rod is gone. So I sent them the picture and sure enough, they're mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, you didn't read your user manual. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and and oh. you know, if, you, if you turn to page like 89 in the user manual <laughs> or whatever and and you go to the back and you, and you look at the warranty exclusions, they've got – you know, here's the top 53 reasons we won't honor our warranty. And number eight says damage caused by lack of maintenance of anode rod. Of course. So of there's course. their out. And, oh, and Tessa, get this though. Here's what, here's what it says about how you're supposed to maintain this anode rod. Yeah. They say, they say it is critical. I'm, I'm reading verbatim now. It yeah. is critical that the anode rod be inspected once a year. Once a year. Oh my gosh. To determine whether it requires replacement. And I'm not done. Hold on. And it must, emphasis must be replaced at least once every two years. So whether it's good or not, wow. to get that six year warranty, you gotta have a bunch of these on hand. You Gotta check them every year, and they wow. cost ten bucks each. But the who's, labor, the but labor. The, who's the gonna labor. take it apart? No. You know, uninstall your water, you take it all apart, check on it, and go. Oh yeah, it's good. I've got. I'll wait another year. It's like no, you just replace it. So to get your six year warranty, you need to uninstall it and replace your anode rod every single year. You know, is this is this just this certain manufacturer, this certain brand that has this problem, or do you think that this is a, a problem across all of these different little mini on-demand water heaters? Tessa, that is a very fair question. Um, I don't know. This is Bosch. Okay. Maybe I should check one or two other manufacturers and, and see, see what if they, they say. They have a similar you know clause, Tessa, yeah, or maintenance, Tessa. Yeah. We can do this. Let's pause the recording. We'll do it in live time. We'll tell our listeners, okay? Okay. Let's do All right, it. We're going to pause this. Okay. So Tessa and I just spent the last 17 hours researching small point of use water heaters and reading all of the details of their warranties. And I'll tell you what, the one that I'm referring to is Bosch. They're the one who had this ultra restrictive warranty. And we looked up, I looked up warranties for Ream and Richmond. Richmond is basically the same as Ream. Yeah. Um, and Tessa, you looked up, who was it? It was, um, it was Ariston, which I'm not familiar with, but actually I, I have a little potable um, or a little on-demand water heater underneath my kitchen sink too. And I've never really paid attention to it. Okay. So, so yeah. So we looked up all these and none of them have any warranty exclusions related to the anode rod. Mm -mm. And I looked up the use and care information and they aren't really strict about the anode rod. They mention it. They, they've got a section on here that says, maybe, maybe you wanted to scale the heating element, not a bad idea. And mm -hmm. it said at this time, you can inspect your anode rod for degradation. Okay. Uh, it, it must be inspected 
and replaced if there's any sign of depletion mm. within five years of its installation. Okay. And within every three years thereafter. So at some point within the first five years, they want you to inspect it. Versus yeah. Bosch, they say you need to inspect it annual, less, at least annually. Yeah. Why yeah, difference? Yeah, and mine just talks about descaling the heating elements um, as well, and it talks about hiring a professional to do that because you have to take it apart. But it does not mention the anode rod really at that point. Oh well, I guess it it does have a part about replacing the anode rod, but it doesn't say, you know, doesn't have any exclusions in the warranty about that. Yeah, and then right. the um the warranty is good for eight years on on the tank that I have. Okay, all right. Well, I. I'm going to consider this a uh, experiment and maybe a lesson. I don't know. I'm, I, I, am, I am in it now and I have purchased a bunch of replacement anode rods and I'm going to be checking on mine annually and I will document my blog post with these photos showing what the anode rod looks like. But in the future, I will surely never purchase another Bosch water heater. Well, I was, so I was just going to say, you put it back in. And you put in a new anode rod, so you kept it. You didn't just like rip it out, smash it on the pavement, and go with a completely different brand. I well, you know what? After their the exchange, they did sell me one at a significant discount. Okay, but as I'm thinking through it now, it, it's not even worth it. All the time I'm going to spend uninstalling this every rod? year I, and changing well, and this. I for the sake of research, I'm curious to see what that anode rod looks like after six months and then 12 months and then 18 months. Like, I, how long does it take for that thing? Well, clearly two years <laughs> at your house to be gone. But what's it look like, you know, after yeah. a shorter amount of time? And you have, you've got a water softener at your house too, don't you? I do. Yeah. It's all softened water going in there. Wow. I don't know how that affects... Okay. What it does to the anode rod, I'd think it would help. Yeah, I would think so, but yeah. Yeah. This so is we'll see where it goes. Crazy. Well, thank you for um sharing your tale your tale of woe with all of us listeners and you've taught us all something new about this that there are differences in these little on-demand water heaters, so check the user manual maybe before you decide to purchase um one and see what the what the maintenance requirements are and the warranties and all of that fine print that you never want to read. It's probably a good yeah. idea to read it. Yeah. I, I, I will surely never do that again, but <laughs> I mean, or, or the, the short takeaway here is if you buy one of these, don't get Bosch. Sorry, Bosch, <laughs> but <laughs> boo, you've got a terrible warranty compared Ooh. to everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man. All Crazy. Right. So uh, that's, that was the second part of our show. The third part, this is really quick to us, is that we, we had a listener or perhaps it was a reader email in talking about how he had a local uh, plumber, you've seen their billboards all over town, charge him somewhere in the neighborhood of $6,000 to replace his water heater. And we're talking... A 40 or 50 gallon water heater, just a traditional natural draft water heater. It's not a power vent. It's oh not anything gosh. special. It's just the, there was a, there was a natural draft water heater there. 
They replaced it with a natural draft water heater. No extenuating no circumstances, nothing. No new venting, nothing. No nothing new else. venting. Oh no. my gosh. Oh no, that's terrible. That's crazy. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I looked at uh, Home Depot Menard just checking prices. What are they selling for today? If you're yeah. getting the water heater I'm describing, if if you get a six year warranty, it's it's somewhere around five hundred five fifty. You step it up to maybe a twelve year warranty, you might be paying seven hundred bucks, something in that range. But you know, yeah. th- say around six hundred bucks for a water heater. That's about what the cost. Like a forty fifty gallon water heater, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, standard size. Nothing, nothing crazy. And so the rest of the cost is labor. They're charging, I don't know, four or $5,000 in labor. And Tessa, I made a video many years ago, very low quality. I had my dad holding the GoPro. Yeah, (laughs) I I, I ought to redo one so it's better quality. But just going through the steps of showing, here's what's involved in replacing a water heater. It's not a full how-to where we discuss everything, but it's just showing here's kind of the labor that it might take. And seriously, it it takes maybe two hours for someone who knows what they're doing, maybe even less. It's not that big of a deal. And when you when you calculate that hourly rate, that is just <laughs> robbery. Uh, there, there's no other way to put it. So yeah. uh, this is a this is a PSA. If you're having your water heater replaced, um, go ahead and call you know one of the companies with the big billboards or whatever. But figure out what you're going to be paying ahead of time and know that there's tons of contractors out there who will, I I mean, I I talked to a few of the people that we recommend regularly. They're on our service provider list and they do them for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1500 to 1800 bucks. That's that's their typical price range for just swapping out a water heater. Wow. So (laughs) look out. There yeah. are companies who are just delighted Predatory. to gouge people and they yeah. they do it under the, the, they've got this term, they call it flat rate pricing. And they're like, we don't care what it is, what the circumstances is, it's just flat rate pricing, we charge this. And every time I've heard that term, I have found that it works in the contractor's favor, mm-hmm. not the consumer's favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I feel like this is, code language for price gouging, but I don't know. Maybe someone could explain it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to get a couple bids and um, use a contractor that has come highly recommended, good reviews, hopefully. And yeah, beware of those. I mean, that's, that's not $6,000. Yes. Yes. Wow. So crazy. That, that's a warning. And I don't know. That's all I got. That's those I are our three water heater topics for today, that Tess. A, that's a full podcast. Yeah, that is a full podcast. And um, thanks for taking us through that emotional roller coaster, Ruben, and for giving us little wisdom nuggets to walk away from this with, too. Appreciate <laughs> yes, that. Absolutely. Hope people can uh, learn from my painful mistakes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. All right. Sure. Cool. Well, good show. Always yeah. a delight to see you, Tess. Good to see you too. And Ruben, should we tease kind of our an upcoming series that we're going to be doing here over the oh, next yeah. two months? Yeah, we've got a lot of guests lined up for the next, what is it? Probably the next like five six, to five six weeks. shows? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we, we have lined up home inspectors from all over the country, different regions, and we've handpicked some people that we've known over the years to be very knowledgeable home inspectors. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking to them about regional differences in home inspections. What do they look at when they're mm-hmm. in the deep south or when they're, when they're in the Pacific Northwest? What, what's mm-hmm. different about these houses and what, yeah. what do they do differently? What, uh, what, what affects their home inspections? Is yeah. that right, Tess? This is yeah. your baby. I should be having you sell this. No, this, no, but you did a great job. More your idea. No, you did a great job. And I think, um, you know, we've got, we've got listeners that are kind of spread out across the United States. And, you know, a lot of times we're talking about things, of course, that we see here in our cold, very cold climate of Minnesota, right? But, um, we thought, wouldn't it be great to just dive into some of these other different climates across the country and hear about, you know, the types of houses they have, the materials that are used, the construction methods, basements, crawl spaces, attics, location mechanicals, all these things, pests that they deal with, and just kind of learn, um, you know, have a have a, a broader understanding of some of the things that inspectors see across the country. So we're really excited to to do this and to get to interview these um, these all-star inspectors, we're calling them, um, from across the country. So stay tuned. Over the next few weeks, we'll um, we'll dive in and then tackle it climate zone by climate zone. Excellent. I'm looking forward to these interviews, Tess. Yeah, yeah. Me too. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on today's show, any suggestions for future shows, any comments, uh, you know, like, hey, Ruben, you're an idiot. Why didn't you do this? Any of that, please send your thoughts to podcast at structuretech.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, that's great. Take care. Thanks.